up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Phil. Phil? You, you there? Chris. Oh, okay. Okay. Chris, I'm, here. There. I'm here. Phil, I heard that we have a birthday girl this week. Yeah, that's right. Ashley turns 30. You're not supposed 30? to say. 32. Oh, wait. 25. Oh, wait. Phil. I actually have to do some math. Uh, let's see. 2022 minus 1989. 33. Yeah. Yeah. My lovely wife turns 33 this week. And I made her a black forest cake. Oh, isn't that great? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I I very much like that combination. I think I like cherries in general, Phil. But happy birthday, Ashley! Do you know it was really hard to find Kirsch? Okay, why? Do you know what this is? Yeah, of course you do. You're like a cocktail genius. I was just not that popular of a brandy here in this okay. neck of the woods, if you will. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe you're just not going to the right places, Phil. Yeah, like I tried 7-Eleven and they didn't have it. Then I tried the Speedway. They certainly didn't have it. Uh, but then I was like, maybe I'll try this fancy liquor store. Okay. So you did actually find it. What? Uh, what's your recipe for Black Forest cake there, Phil? Black Forest uh, Let's see. I think I used Preppy Kitchens. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they pop up pretty high usually in most Google searches oh, for anything. Yeah. John is very well talented i would say in terms of desserts so like we used his recipe actually last year on her birthday to make macarons and those turned out absolutely fantastically is that a word yeah we'll pretend it is now okay so are there any other desserts that you enjoy that use alcohol yeah let me think about this we made some milkshakes the other day that used a pecan-infused moonshine. Okay. And, hmm. oh man, it was good. There's like a, there's a pretty big moonshine brand out here on the East Coast, Southeast really. Um, I think it's like called Old Smoky. Okay. Yeah, I can't say I've heard of it now. Have you heard of that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. It comes from the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and you can pretty much get it anywhere. And it's like flavored moonshine. Hmm. And yeah, like you can, you can use it for a wide variety of things. You could just pour it on a bowl of ice cream, just about any flavor, and it's going to be pretty good. You could bake with it, I suppose, if you wanted to. Or you could just drink it by itself. That's probably probably what they want you to do. <laughs> Maybe. I don't uh, know. I like to overcomplicate things and I don't know. So yeah, milkshakes. Delicious milkshakes. Yeah. What about you? Uh, honestly, I don't know if we make a ton that have alcohol in them. You know, what was that? Like two, was it, was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. For Christmas, we decided to try something a little bit different and... The, the Kraken. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the McCracken, McCracken, Kraken dessert. Yeah, uh, the, the sea monster. The, the Kranikin. It was like a, the yeah, it's in a Scottish dessert. Scotch. So we uh, toasted oats and then soaked the oats in scotch after they had been toasted. And then I want to say like you, you layer that with, with honey and uh, some type of cream. I don't know if it was, if it was creme fraiche or something else and raspberries and it's pretty amazing, but also a really good excuse to buy like an okay bottle of scotch. I think I got a mm, Glenmorangie sure. out of that dessert. So that was great. Did it last past the dessert? Yes. Yes. I savored it, Phil, because I enjoy 
some things like that every now and then. You have to savor it. Phil. Yeah, savor it. You know, too much good whiskey is never enough. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- it is kind of interesting in that there there's so many different roles that alcohol can play in cooking. You know, it's like definitely useful way beyond just whatever you use it for, Phil. But I, I think one of the interesting things that like you're kind of hitting on is just the the flavor impartation, and that's one of the the biggest reasons that we can use it, and maybe not even necessarily for the things that we might think of in terms of like flavor impartation. It actually is like a, a really good flavor enhancer, like a salt. Oddly, oh sure, yeah, enough, Phil. So there are some things like you know I, the the, the cure she might. You might pick up on some of those flavors, maybe not as much. The scotch in a Kranikin, you absolutely get. You get those those flavors for sure. It's a very much upfront type thing where you even kind of reminiscent of something like our, our, our favorite. We probably talk about these dishes way too often, a, a beef bourguignon or a, a coquava. The the wine in those takes a very prominent place, kind of like the, the scotch in the Kranikin. Yeah, and it's actually... Kind of befitting that you mentioned those because I actually did like a wine braised beef short rib for dinner, which was basically like a beef bourguignon. Pretty much. Actually, yeah, that's entirely the same thing. Like same process. Same yeah, process. Yeah, I think it's same is process. It, yeah, just a different cut of meat, but yeah, totally the but same. Um, yeah, because a bourguignon is braised, which is a really great way to, to uh, you know, incorporate additional like flavors and richness to a dish. But there's, there's also like some really interesting things that alcohol does in terms of flavor enhancing that are separate from that actual flavor impartation that, you know, something like a bourguignon, like that that red wine in a bourguignon is accomplishing. So I, I don't know why. Actually, I do know why, Phil. I do know why I, I was thinking about this. We'll, we'll get back to the flavor enhancing. But Phil, due to, you know, unspecified reasons, we haven't been, you know, having as many cocktails around our house lately. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to do what's right for others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, wait, is it plural? No, no I oh sure God, is hope it plural? not. Um, that would be a nightmare. So, for this reason, we had a couple bottles of vermouth that had been sitting, Phil, for longer than they should have. So, you cooked with them? Yeah, we started to. Yeah. And, and vermouth, obviously, you know, Phil, obvious, obviously, is a wine. So, okay, go, going back. If if you have some vermouth that has been sitting in your cupboard for a couple of years opened and you like take it out and make a drink with it every now and then, if your Manhattan tastes like crap, it's probably because of your bad vermouth. Because vermouth... It's probably because of the yeah, vermouth. Vermouth yeah. is a wine. So it's a fortified wine. So it, it's a wine with usually like a little bit of brandy or something in it to increase the alcohol percentage. But it is still a wine that can go bad. Yeah. And guilty as charged because for me, like vermouth... You know, I'm coming out of my 20s. I I was a bachelor for a while and, you know, I went to community college for crying out loud. So I think like vermouth was the thing that you brought out at New Year's Eve, you know, for like for the for the fancy nights and the fancy nights only came but once a year. And and if you lived alone like me, then those fancy nights only turned into one or two cocktails. I was very lonely. I was very, very lonely at the community college, Chris. So then I stayed, I saved it in the, in the liquor cabinet and, um, and it sat there for an entire year. And then that's why I hated Manhattan's. That's probably why I felt because Manhattan is an absolutely fantastic drink. You need to give it another try. Oh no, I love, I love them now. Okay. Yeah. I order them up. Uh, as you should. I, I don't know how else you as might you, have one. the only way. So, I don't know how else you might have a Manhattan. Uh, 
I actually went to go get a new bottle of sweet vermouth for a Manhattan specifically because it just sounded nice. So I had some rye that I wanted to make a Manhattan with Phil and they were out of the, the uh, Dolan Rouge that I normally get. And so I got a, a Koki Torino, and it was really, really interesting. It was really good. It's it's a little more... Yeah, everybody knows what yeah, those it's, are. Yeah, it's a little bit more bitter than... It actually kind of reminds me of um, a little bit of Campari, or Aperol maybe, even, oh. even more specifically, because it's not quite Campari level. But it's got just like this really interesting, almost like cola, spicy, sweet, bitter thing going on. It's pretty tasty. But uh, a little bit of rabbit trail there. So that was brought in because... We have, you know, a couple bottles that haven't been touched in way too long, Phil. And I didn't want to throw them out because they were mostly full and I just felt bad wasting it. So I started looking into ways to sure. use it. And there really are a lot of a lot of ways that you can use, you know, maybe past their prime vermouths in cooking. Then it kind of sent me down this rabbit trail of what does alcohol do to the food that we use it to cook with? Yeah, because it's in a lot of things. Like we made chili over the weekend and every chili calls for beer in the chili. Every you good make a chili. marinara sauce and, well, yeah, invariably you're going to have some sort of like deglazing action going on in your red sauce. And so it's going to call for a cup of wine. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's in a lot of different recipes. Yeah. So kind of that brings us all the way back to where we started in terms of what, what does alcohol do? So it, it can actually like impart flavors. Some of what you talked about is it imparting flavors. You know, if you're putting it in a chili, you're bringing like a richness and a depth and maltiness and all of that good stuff, extra flavor to that chili. But honestly, it kind of also in a way is like salt, it seems. In that it can be a flavor enhancer, even in smaller quantities, and and especially in smaller quantities, actually, where where it's not the overwhelming and dominant flavor, it's still acting as a flavor enhancer. So there there are a couple ways that it does this. So you talked about deglazing, Phil, and that's a really really great way that you can use alcohol and a, a lot of the properties that it has to enhance the flavors of of different things like sauces or or whatever. Because alcohol, it's a really great carrier for both both like fats and water-based liquids so it can really grab all those flavors that are left at the bottom of a pan and and hold on to them and bring them into a sauce fascinating is it is it the acid in it that's doing this because i know the acid can act as a flavor enhancer no i think i think it's actually just more of a property of like the alcohol itself the ethanol if you will. So one of the other ways that uh, alcohol can enhance flavors is is through smell. And that might be one of the, the bigger ways that it actually really does affect what we're making, but might not necessarily be like all that's detectable right off the bat. So obviously like smell is a huge factor in in taste and in our overall enjoyment it's a huge olfactor oh, in taste oh, oh, oh phil yeah it is and alcohol i don't know if you knew this phil when was the last time you got a shot uh you mean like like a jab shot yeah yeah, yeah. or like ordered a shot at a restaurant no, both the jabby okay. variety the sticky uh, pokey well the booster yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it was a little bit ago so you know when you get a shot they take that nifty little packet that contains an alcohol wipe in it. They wipe it on your skin 
And then your oh, skin yeah. feels cold. Does your skin feel cold when that happens, Phil? Or is that just me? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, Obviously yeah. what that is, I'm sure out. everybody knows what this is because we're all adults probably. That is the alcohol evaporating because alcohol evaporates quickly, Phil. Interesting. It's like hot water in a pipe. Yeah, kind of. And you're left with the coldness. Right. So sorry, alluding to I know, I know. Foolish, foolish episode. Great episode. So we don't have to descale after we use alcohol in our cooking. But I don't know if you see where I'm going with this. Alcohol evaporates easily. And so there's this there's this vaporization type effect thing that goes on with the foods that we eat and alcohol. Because it evaporates quickly, it evaporates and carries a lot of those aromas with it. Yeah, that is really, really fascinating. I had never considered that. Because you're right, like you you pour in a flash of I don't know, they call that flashing, right? Sure. Like let's say you let's say you just like pour a glug or two of vodka in a scallop. Because Inside that's the thing. It. Like in the pan where the scallops <laughs> cook. Yes. And then it's just like gonna flash off. You're gonna get this great aroma. Yeah. It's not gonna really last for very long. It's very volatile, but it's amazing. And it puts on a show for your guests. I mean, this is why hibachi is such a thing. Because of the smells, Chris. Sure. But it does also last a bit longer than maybe you might think. A little, uh, a majority of it might, you know, uh, vaporize earlier or atomize earlier in the process. But it does, it does last and continue to impart that flavor enhancing aromaization. Okay. So are you suggesting that the, that the fragrance stays with the food after it's been plated because of the alcohol? Like that scallop. Is it gonna is it gonna smell more like the ocean because of the vodka? Sure, we'll pretend that's the, we'll pretend that's what I'm saying. But no, Phil, the the alcohol does stay in the dish. You know, a, a lot of it might be cooked off, but there there is a level of it in the dish, and it still is like a, a volatile compound, and so it's gonna aerosolize and it's gonna it's gonna evaporate more easily than other liquids in the the dish. So that dish is gonna carry that for a while, and it's gonna continue it's a volatilization and enhance the smells that are coming off of that dish for a while. It's not like it like goes away instantly. It becomes a part of the dish, Phil. That's it's pretty cool. characteristic of the dish. So like rum raisin ice cream, it's going to make us it's enjoy it more. good for a lot of different reasons, <laughs> Phil. Not just because it. No, that's that's the worst. Okay. What about what about like rum craisin ice cream? Because I know you're crazy about craisins. I like cranberries, Phil. I like cranberries. No, that's that's good stuff. Can we? Sorry, I don't want to like take you too far off your track that your your one track mind. But can we talk about the deglazing properties of alcohol? Yeah, and 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 part of that is the fact that it can be like a carrier for taste. So you know it. It can pick up fats really well and easily and, and like emulsify with them. And it can pick up other kind of like water-based liquids as well in an equal capacity. So it, it kind of has this ability to just grab everything and help create some cohesion. And so when, you, when you're deglazing something, that's a lot of what you're doing. And, th- and that's why it works better than, say, water in, in creating a bit more of something that's a sauce rather than just a liquid with all of these like separate oily bits and things like that. And it's what it, what it is doing is really pulling all those things together into a bit more of an emulsion. So that, that's, that's kind of what you're doing when you're deglazing. So it's not just so that the pan or the pot is easier to clean later. 
Like it's actually relative to the flavor of the dish itself. Oh yeah, no, like Phil, in your quick tip uh, this week, you're talking about uh, olive oil and onions and uh, the Maillard reaction and all of that. So that reaction is where so much of our flavor comes from like uh, so many things that we as humans love come from that reaction so so much more food left in your pan that is very uh caramelized if you will and what you're yeah, doing sure. is capturing it cakes up yeah, on yeah, the yeah. so you're capturing those flavors when you're deglazing a pan you know I, I think we've talked about deglazing in past episodes but basically what it is is when you say saute some onions or like you're cooking some meat in a pan. When you take all of that out, there's these like brown bits, these these brown cooked crunchy bits of whatever that you cooked in, in a pan or a pot or whatever left on the bottom. And sure, the best parts of they the dish. Are. And we want to save those. So to deglaze it, usually we're just pouring like a little bit of a liquid. Oftentimes alcohol works really, really well. So that, that can be a wine or you can deglaze with a beer or a little bit of a, some type of liqueur or something. I don't know if I've ever really tried that, but wine or beer work great. And really what the alcohol is doing is helping gather all of those stuck bits, all of those fats and oils and caramelized pieces that are left stuck to the pan. And it, it does help us, you know, clean the pan because like we're scraping as we go, but it's it's also helping collect all of those flavors. And so we deglaze a pan and then we, you can use that to help create like a sauce and it's going to have so much more flavor in it because of all of those pieces that the alcohol helped bring together. So the next time you get, say, a Dutch oven for your birthday and it's brand new and it's beautiful and there aren't any Mars or markings or blemishes in the bottom of the pan, dish, whatever it is, don't skip the step of deglazing because you're not just doing it to keep it clean. No, it's... it's doing a it to feed your tasty family. part of it, Phil. It is. So if you got a couple bottles of old vermouth, feel free to start cooking with those. Actually, you can use those to deglaze... Phil. Yeah, and sure. you can actually just use them as you would wine to kind of enrich in different sauces and things. Uh, I mean, really the, the things that make the vermouth go bad are kind of like the, you know, possibly heat or, or oxygen that are getting to it. And when you use vermouth to cook, you're already imparting so much of that, that like the flavor when it's used in cooking, isn't going to be really that different if it's a little bit older. So it still works really, really well for that. But Phil, if you're, if you're going to use old spent vermouth, you can think of it in the same way that you would wine. So like a, a, a dry vermouth, just use that like you would a white wine. You can deglaze a pan that you cook some seafood in or, or use it in a sauce for seafood, lighter things like chicken or scallops, like you mentioned. And if you had some sweet vermouth that's maybe a little past its prime, you can throw that in that chili. You can throw it in your marinara sauce. Uh, Molly actually made, gosh, it was like a cauliflower yonki uh, tonight. And it was really good. And she used some of the vermouth in it. I'm just imagining like you sipping your vermouth or opening up a bottle of vermouth in your bow tie and top hat. And then like with your pinky out saying, mm, this vermouth has turned. And? In the way that a wine would turn. Okay. <laughs> okay. And Chris, you forgot, I can't believe you forgot this, but you forgot the, the most important attribute or property of using wine while cooking. And that's that you get to drink it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's because true. Because nothing beats a bottle of wine while you're cooking Italian food. Listening to jazz, you kind of get in the mood, you kind of forget what you're doing, and then your wife wakes you up, and then you're just lying on the kitchen floor. <laughs> and 
Happy birthday, Ashley. That was Phil's Tuesday. Yeah, do you know what we call that? We call that Thursday. So, Phil, I mean, like when we use various types of alcohol, whether it's wine or vermouth, which is wine, more or less, uh, beer or spirits, like your Kirsch and Ashley's birthday cake, it not only adds that kind of upfront flavor infusion, but you get extra richness and depth in in so many other ways that you might not even know. If you're even just like using it in small quantities, it enhances the taste, it enhances the smell. And I think we should all cook with alcohol more often, Phil. Words of wisdom. That's why he's got a microphone, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to him. It's a bad idea. Oh.